Chapter Twelve of The Warden by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter Twelve. Mr. Bold's visit to Plumstead. Whether or no the ill-natured prediction made by certain ladies in the beginning of the last chapter was or was not carried out to the letter i am not in a position to state eleanor however certainly did feel herself to have been baffled as she returned home with all her news to her father certainly she had been victorious certainly she had achieved her object certainly she was not unhappy and yet she did not feel herself triumphant everything would run smooth now eleanor was not at all addicted to the lydian school of romance she by no means objected to her lover because he came in at the door under the name of absolute instead of pulling her out of a window under the name of beverley and yet she felt that she had been imposed upon and could hardly think of mary bold with sisterly charity i did think i could have trusted mary she said to herself over and over again oh that she should have dared to keep me in the room when i tried to get out eleanor however felt that the game was up and that she had now nothing further to do but to add to the budget of news which was prepared for her father that john bold was her accepted lover we will however now leave her on her way and go with john bold to plumstead episcopi merely premising that eleanor on reaching home will not find things so smooth as she fondly expected two messengers had come one to her father and the other to the archdeacon and each of them much opposed to her quiet mode of solving all their difficulties the one in the shape of a number of the jupiter and the other in that of a further opinion from sir abraham haphazard john bold got on his horse and rode off to plumstead episcopi not briskly and with eager spur as men do ride when self-satisfied with their own intentions but slowly modestly thoughtfully and somewhat in dread of the coming interview now and again he would recur to the scene which was just over support himself by the remembrance of the silence that gives consent and exult as a happy lover but even this feeling was not without a shade of remorse had he not shown himself childishly weak thus to yield up the resolve of many hours of thought to the tears of a pretty girl how was he to meet his lawyer how was he to back out of a matter in which his name was already so publicly concerned what oh what was he to say to tom towers while meditating these painful things he reached the lodge leading up to the archdeacon's glebe and for the first time in his life found himself within the sacred precincts 
all the doctor's children were together on the slope of the lawn close to the road as bold rode up to the hall door they were there holding high debate on matters evidently of deep interest at plumstead episcopi and the voices of the boys had been heard before the lodge-gate was closed florinda and grizel frightened at the sight of so well-known an enemy to the family fled on the first appearance of the horsemen and ran in terror to their mother's arms not for them was it tender branches to resent injuries or as members of a church militant to put on armour against its enemies but the boys stood their ground like heroes and boldly demanded the business of the intruder do you want to see anybody here sir said henry with a defiant eye and a hostile tone which plainly said that at any rate no one there wanted to see the person so addressed and as he spoke he brandished aloft his garden water-pot holding it by the spout ready for the braining of any one henry said charles james slowly and with a certain dignity of diction mr bold of course would not have come without wanting to see some one if mr bold has a proper ground for wanting to see some person here of course he has a right to come but samuel stepped lightly up to the horse's head and offered his services oh mr bold said he papa i'm sure will be glad to see you i suppose you want to see papa shall i hold your horse for you oh what a very pretty horse and he turned his head and winked funnily at his brothers papa has heard such good news about the old hospital to-day we know you'll be glad to hear it because you're such a friend of grandpapa harding and so much in love with aunt nelly how do you do lads said bold dismounting i want to see your father if he's at home lads said henry turning on his heel and addressing himself to his brother but loud enough to be heard by bold lads indeed if we're lads what does he call himself charles james condescended to say nothing further but cocked his hat with much precision and left the visitor to the care of his youngest brother samuel stayed till the servant came chatting and patting the horse but as soon as bold had disappeared through the front door he stuck a switch under the animal's tail to make him kick if possible the church reformer soon found himself tete-a-tete with the archdeacon in that same room in that sanctum sanctorum of the rectory to which we have already been introduced as he entered he heard the click of a certain patent lock but it struck him with no surprise the worthy clergyman was no doubt hiding from eyes profane his last much-studied sermon for the archdeacon though he preached but seldom was famous for his sermons no room bold thought could have been more becoming for a dignitary of the church each wall was loaded with theology 
over each separate bookcase was printed in small gold letters the names of those great divines whose works were ranged beneath beginning from the early fathers in due chronological order there were to be found the precious labours of the chosen servants of the church down to the last pamphlet written in opposition to the consecration of dr hamden and raised above this were to be seen the busts of the greatest among the great chrysostom st augustine thomas a becket cardinal wolsey archbishop lord and dr philpotts every appliance that could make study pleasant and give ease to the overtoiled brain was there chairs made to relieve each limb and muscle reading-desks and writing-desks to suit every attitude lamps and candles mechanically contrived to throw their light on any favoured spot as the student might desire a shoal of newspapers to amuse the few leisure moments which might be stolen from the labours of the day and then from the window a view right through a bosky vista along which ran a broad green path from the rectory to the church at the end of which the tawny-tinted fine old tower was seen with all its variegated pinnacles and parapets few parish churches in england are in better repair or better worth keeping so than that at plumstead episcopi and yet it is built in a faulty style the body of the church is low so low that the nearly flat leaden roof would be visible from the churchyard were it not for the carved parapet with which it is surrounded it is cruciform though the transepts are irregular one being larger than the other and the tower is much too high in proportion to the church but the colour of the building is perfect it is that rich yellow-grey which one finds nowhere but in the south and west of england and which is so strong a characteristic of most of our old houses of tudor architecture the stonework also is beautiful the mullions of the windows and the thick tracery of the gothic workmanship is as rich as fancy can desire and though in gazing on such a structure one knows by rule that the old priests who built it built it wrong one cannot bring oneself to wish that they should have made it other than it is when bold was ushered into the book-room he found its owner standing with his back to the empty fireplace ready to receive him and he could not but perceive that that expansive brow was elated with triumph and that those full heavy lips bore more prominently than usual an appearance of arrogant success well mr bold said he well what can i do for you very happy i can assure you to do anything for such a friend of my father-in-law i hope you'll excuse my calling dr grantly certainly certainly said the archdeacon i can assure you no apology as necessary from mr bold only let me know what i can do for him dr grantly was standing himself and he did not ask bold to sit 
and therefore he had to tell his tale standing leaning on the table with his hat in his hand he did however manage to tell it and as the archdeacon never once interrupted him or even encouraged him by a single word he was not long in coming to the end of it and so mr bold i'm to understand i believe that you are desirous of abandoning this attack upon mr harding oh dr grantly there has been no attack i can assure you well well we won't quarrel about words i should call it an attack most men would so call an endeavour to take away from a man every shilling of income that he has to live upon but it shan't be an attack if you don't like it you wish to abandon this this little game of backgammon you've begun to play i intend to put an end to the legal proceedings which i have commenced i understand said the archdeacon you've already had enough of it well i can't say that i am surprised carrying on a losing lawsuit where one has nothing to gain but everything to pay is not pleasant bold turned very red in the face you misinterpret my motives said he but however that is of little consequence i did not come to trouble you with my motives but to tell you a matter of fact good morning dr grantly one moment one moment said the other i don't exactly appreciate the taste which induced you to make any personal communication to me on the subject but i dare say i'm wrong i dare say your judgment is the better of the two but as you have done me the honour as you have as it were forced me into a certain amount of conversation on a subject which had better perhaps have been left to our lawyers you will excuse me if i ask you to hear my reply to your communication i am in no hurry dr grantly well i am mr bold my time is not exactly leisure time and therefore if you please we'll go to the point at once you're going to abandon this lawsuit and he paused for a reply yes dr grantly i am having exposed a gentleman who was one of your father's warmest friends to all the ignominy and insolence which the press could heap upon his name having somewhat ostentatiously declared that it was your duty as a man of high public virtue to protect those poor old fools whom you have humbugged there at the hospital you now find that the game costs more than it's worth and so you make up your mind to have done with it 
a prudent resolution mr bold but it is a pity you should have been so long coming to it has it struck you that we may not now choose to give over that we may find it necessary to punish the injury you have done to us are you aware sir that we have gone to enormous expense to resist this iniquitous attempt of yours bold's face was now furiously red and he nearly crushed his hat between his hands but he said nothing we have found it necessary to employ the best advice that money could procure are you aware sir what may be the probable cost of securing the services of the attorney-general not in the least dr grantly i dare say not sir when you recklessly put this affair into the hands of your friend mr finney whose six and eightpences and thirteen and fourpences may probably not amount to a large sum you were indifferent as to the cost and suffering which such a proceeding might entail on others but are you aware sir that these crushing costs must now come out of your own pocket any demand of such a nature which mr harding's lawyer may have to make will doubtless be made to my lawyer mr harding's lawyer and my lawyer did you come here merely to refer me to the lawyers upon my word i think the honour of your visit might have been spared and now sir i'll tell you what my opinion is my opinion is that we shall not allow you to withdraw this matter from the courts you can do as you please dr grantly good morning hear me out sir said the archdeacon i have here in my hands the last opinion given in this matter by sir abraham haphazard i dare say you have already heard of this i dare say it has had something to do with your visit here to-day i know nothing whatever of sir abraham haphazard or his opinion be that as it may here it is he declares most explicitly that under no phasis of the affair whatever have you a leg to stand upon that mr harding is as safe in his hospital as i am here in my rectory that a more futile attempt to destroy a man was never made than this which you have made to ruin mr harding here and he slapped the paper on the table i have this opinion from the very first lawyer in the land and under these circumstances you expect me to make you a low bow for your kind offer to release mr harding from the toils of your net sir your net is not strong enough to hold him 
sir your net has fallen to pieces and you knew that well enough before i told you and now sir i'll wish you good morning for i'm busy bold was now choking with passion he had let the archdeacon run on because he knew not with what words to interrupt him but now that he had been so defied and insulted he could not leave the room without some reply dr grantly he commenced i have nothing further to say or to hear said the archdeacon i'll do myself the honour to order your horse and he rang the bell i came here dr grantly with the warmest kindest feelings oh of course you did nobody doubts it with the kindest feelings and they have been most grossly outraged by your treatment of course they have i have not chosen to see my father-in-law ruined what an outrage that has been to your feelings the time will come dr grantly when you will understand why i called upon you to-day no doubt no doubt is mr bold's horse there that's right open the front door good morning mr bold and the doctor stalked into his own drawing-room closing the door behind him and making it quite impossible that john bold should speak another word as he got on his horse which he was fain to do feeling like a dog turned out of a kitchen he was again greeted by little sammy good-bye mr bold i hope we may have the pleasure of seeing you again before long i am sure papa will always be glad to see you that was certainly the bitterest moment in john bold's life not even the remembrance of his successful love could comfort him nay when he thought of eleanor he felt that it was that very love which had brought him to such a pass that he should have been so insulted and be unable to reply that he should have given up so much to the request of a girl and then have had his motives so misunderstood that he should have made so gross a mistake as this visit of his to the archdeacons he bit the top of his whip till he penetrated the horn of which it was made he struck the poor animal in his anger and then was doubly angry with himself for his futile passion he had been so completely checkmated so palpably overcome and what was he to do he could not continue his action after pledging himself to abandon it nor was there any revenge in that it was the very step to which his enemy had endeavoured to goad him he threw the reins to the servant who came to take his horse and rushed upstairs into his drawing-room where his sister mary was sitting if there be a devil said he a real devil here on earth it is dr grantly 
he vouchsafed her no further intelligence but again seizing his hat he rushed out and took his departure for london without another word to any one end of chapter twelve recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom